Oh my god. Hi everyone. Welcome to Artifact number 31. We are going to be discussing two films by the Japanese director Ryosuke Hamaguchi. Um, and also just not just the films themselves, but uh, what Ezekiel Yu has called a kind of Orientalist strain in some of the criticism uh, of the films, which I also found myself. I also found some interesting interplay where uh, these two films, which neither of us find uh, very good, they do a kind of like a thing where there's almost a kind of uh, both a self-orientalizing process that goes on, right? Um, and also in a weird way, a kind of, uh, I'm not sure if there's a word for this, uh, maybe it would be Occidentalism, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they're taking some of the maybe most uh, trite aspects of uh, Western conceptions of love, right? Especially like after, you know, maybe uh, the 70s and 80s, right? I think it's kind of coincidental that you start seeing a little bit of this in Japanese art um, just, just right at the time when uh, American influence was maybe sort of like reaching its, uh, you know, globalization peak. Um, so uh, anyway, first of all, automaconation.com for all your literary needs. In fact, uh, it, Zeke wrote two essays on these films, right? One on Asako 1 and 2 and another one on Drive My Car. Uh, both of these will be up by the time that you guys are watching this video. So if you want to see a kind of you know, a uh, much more formal critique of the films. You could find his essays on the site, patreon.com slash automachination. If you want to support the work of this channel and the work of the website, my writing, other people's writing. Um, and we're going to actually record a patron only after show after we do this discussion where I guess we're going to talk about what is it? Um, objectivity and subjectivity in the arts, right? Uh, Zeke had some uh, kind of like incipient ideas in all this. Um, that I've also been kind of thinking about at the same time. So we're just going to come together in formal discussion, but it's going to be a bit different from what we're talking about here. So if you want to check that out, only way to do it, sign up for the Patreon and you get tons of goodies. Um, so anyway, uh, Zeke, do you want to maybe introduce uh, the director and, and, and the first film that we're talking about? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't familiar with him before I drive my car. Uh, was released mm -hmm. and this was like I think it premiered at Cannes 2020 um, but he wasn't he was sort of like a a notable uh, auteur name uh, from mm -hmm. Japan because um, he'd done I think what's it called uh, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy which I think was released the same year as Drive My Car and then he did Asaka 1 and 2 and then he did a couple other films, but I think he was probably more famous in Japan than he was on the international scene. Um, but then Drive My Car came out, it got rave reviews again, I think it dropped on HBO Max, where I watched it. Um, started winning a bunch of awards. Um, and he's done like fiction features and he's done documentaries. Um, so he's this isn't like his, uh, his debut film, but I think you described it as his breakout and uh, that's what other people would describe it as, uh, Drive My Car. Um, but Asako 1 and 2 came out in 2018. Um, and it's, I don't know, I think, like you said, I, I don't think it's a very good film. Um, 
it's basically about uh, this this woman named Asako. She's uh, this young woman living in I think Osaka. Yeah, for, um, first we start Osaka, then they move to Tokyo. Yeah, to Tokyo, and I mean the beginning isn't really promising. It's I think she's just sort of like wandering around this art gallery, and she happens upon this uh, this dude named Baku. He's a DJ. Uh, he's got like big hair and he, he mm-hmm. doesn't really talk. He's, I think I described him as laconic and uh, kind of like a, uh, a tall, dark and handsome, really brooding. Um, and their sort of meet cute doesn't uh, bode well because literally like she kind of, she sees him and she notices him and she sort of stalks him through the gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they meet outside and then Hamaguchi frames them like the, sort of like an anime moment and we could talk a, a bit about yeah, that yeah. too they kind of look at each other and you know a, a, across the distance and literally between them like there's some kids setting off fireworks um and like sparks go off and like yeah. sparks fly between them right yeah so, it's fireworks yeah. while they while they kiss right yeah exactly um, it's, and it's, then it's and that then, kind of moment and then you know he he like he shoots his 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 feet as he walks towards her which is a, a shot that he repeats later on in the film um, and then they kiss inexplicably, right? Like, I guess it's like love yeah. at first sight, which is what you were talking about. How like those, those tropes, Occidental tropes, I guess, um, a feature. And then, um, well, well let, yeah. let me just respond to that so far. So, uh, first, um, like I, I heard about, uh, drive my car as his, uh, uh, as, um, that was like my introduction to Hamaguchi, but sure. I only heard about it. I didn't watch it. I, I was looking at Criterion. I was like, all right, let's see what films of his are available on Criterion Channel. Um, and I saw I saw three films. One was like a five-hour film. I was like, all right, this is a little too much to start with. Yeah. Another was Drive My Car, which is three hours. Yeah. And then the other one was the Saka one and two, which was only two hours long. And I was like, all right, let me let me at least begin with the Saka one or two. And also, like, it would be helpful that um, this is a script. He did co-write the script with someone else, but this is not unlike Drive My Car. It's not yeah. based on like a Murakami story. It is based so, off of a novel, I should say. Oh, it oh, a, it is yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, but, you know, in, in either case, um, I, I was just thinking, okay, I, I want, uh, like, I, I just want to see uh, what kind of like maybe like a lower stakes introduction to the work is like. I was like, all right, let me watch Osaka one and two. And yeah, it, immediately, um, you know, I, 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 it was like, this is very much kind of like a, a, an anime film, right? It's kind of odd because uh, when you, when you look at some of the characters, like, first of all, a Baku, right? Yeah. So, Baku very much looks like uh, a protagonist from a Japanese RPG, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? That's true. So, you know, he's like this, like, yeah. like, like, yeah, tall, lanky guy with like yeah, the, yeah. the big fucking like spiky hair, right? Uh, it's very kind of like laconic, right? Um, in the sense that like in a Japanese RPG, like you wouldn't be the one doing the speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, uh, the protagonist says nothing at all. And this is like, you know, so like this is the first kind of like oddly sort of like self you know orientalizing kind of feature it's taking what is known as um you know maybe like the most common elements of that part of like japanese culture and just kind of like really blowing them up and and putting it uh in in movie form right which is like Mm -hmm. the odd part like i i could imagine so much of this being like in a manga right like the like the scene for example of them seeing each other from a distance across the fireworks and you know the the doe-eyed you know asian girl just kind of standing there you know um completely awestruck not knowing 
what to do next, right? Not knowing what the next uh, moment is going to bring. And then, you know, the 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 uh, male lead taking the lead, right, physically with yeah. her. Um, and and uh, just like with a lot of kind of like, you know, romance intrigues in, in anime and manga and, and Japanese RPGs, you also have absolutely no clue as to why any of these people would even be drawn to each other. Yeah. Right. Like uh, so with 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 uh, Baku, right, you could sort of you, you could understand generically, you know, why uh, women would be into him. Right. He is tall. He is good looking. He is laconic. Right. He has that artistic quality. He's also not very, you know, emotionally consistent. Right. He yeah. could disappear for weeks or months at a time. Uh, the first time it's I'm going to get bread. And the second time he disappears is I'm going to go buy shoes. Right. And he just <laughs> never, yeah. you know, never shows up. And when you when you read some of the kind of um, summaries of the plot, right, like um, uh, like the summary would be something like uh, and Baku says that he's going to buy shoes and then they you know uh fall out of contact and you know it's not actually falling out of contact it's baku doesn't care enough to actually yeah. like give his whether it's like a cell phone or like anything right um he just wants to sort of like wander his own way so you could understand like that element of, of physical attraction the same way that if a woman behaves that way right uh, a lot of men you know whether it's like the prototypical woody allen type Mm -hmm. that is drawn to you know very difficult women uh that are not emotionally available right so it's 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 not just like a male female thing right both sexes are, are capable of doing that but on her end she has absolutely nothing going for her other than the fact that she's physically cute right yes yeah. like she's like you know she, she 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 very much looks like an anime girl and i say girl because i was surprised to find that in the film uh she's only 20 years old actually mm -hmm. like uh, the actress right so very young uh, uh, he's actually uh, at that time closer to his 30s and in the action of the film like diegetically like I think it's supposed to be at the very least mid-20s like maybe even <laughs> early 30s and yet so much of the plot and so much of what happens uh, and so much of the romance and the drama it's something that would happen in a kind of like high school yeah you know, like a high school Slice sort of, of drama type of thing. Yeah, yeah. which is the thing. Like in a lot of these anime shows, like it's it's it, it's just looking at either junior high or high school, and it's the same kind of dramas. And it's very odd seeing this occurring, you know, amidst like people that are in their twenties or, or even older, right? Um, or so, like business people or court working. Well, she works at a coffee shop. And yeah, that's that's the other part, company, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, when she when she goes to Tokyo, she, Tokyo, yeah. she ends up in a coffee shop, and he ends up like in some sort of like you know faceless corporation, yeah. and that's like another like little you know kind of like a, a orientalizing feature, like the the cute Asian girl from the coffee shop like falls in love with the <laughs> respectable you know nice guy that has like a corporate yeah. job, right? Um, well, I guess uh, we should say that uh, the guy we're talking about is Ryohei, who after yeah. after Baku basically abandons uh mm -hmm. Asako. um like i think two years later she moves to tokyo she's basically restarted her life there and she meets uh ryohei who's basically like a doppelganger for for baku he looks exactly like him except uh you know he's got a haircut um and as like like i say in the in the essay if if baku's like the classic sort of like Tall, dark, and handsome. He loves from a lofty distance. He doesn't really care for, like, uh, like Asako's emotional life. Then Ryohei is the classic nice guy. He's mm -hmm. dependable. Um, I think I saw one reviewer call him a little bit dim, but like in a good way, like in a good-natured way. Um, but he's earnest, and he he actually pursues Asako. 
as opposed to Asako constantly needing uh, Baku's attention uh, and presence. And um, so that's, and, and it's called Asako 1 and 2 because I suppose there's Asako 1 who is with um, Baku, and then there's the Asako of the life, her life with Ryohei. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's sort of like the central, um, I guess, metaphor of, of the of the film. Um, I don't know how into the weeds of the plot we should, we should go into, but it's basically detailing Asako's relationship with Ryohei and whether or not she actually is with him because of um, his resemblance to Baku and her nostalgia and um, how much she yearns for you know, whatever connection they had, which we don't really even see right in the beginning. Like we don't yeah. really get a sense of how they love each other, uh, why they're so attached apart from like the shallow elements that you described uh, just now. Um, and so, I mean, it's really just that. It's really just her uh, working out whether or not she loves Riohe for Riohe. And yeah. not, which is, you know, it's this is like, it's it's very sort of, cliche and saccharine right um yeah. and it doesn't really elevate much beyond that um yeah yeah, like I, the, which, yeah, yeah. yeah even the title right i actually thought the title at least the the english translation i believe in japanese um uh it's technically something like uh whether, whether asli- sleep, awake, sleep yeah. or awake which it, it doesn't it, it's it's like a very kind of straining kind of title Right, it doesn't even necessarily fit all that well uh, with the film, um, but to call Osaka one, one, one and two, right? On the one hand, it's kind of like um, you know, it mirrors the idea that there's uh, Baku and then there's Ryohei, yeah. right? And it's the same person, and yet the emphasis really is on her and her responses to such, yeah. as opposed to the kind of like visual, you know, kind of a, a conceit of the film, which is these two characters that are, you know, it's the same actor, obviously, yeah. right? Um, but they're different people. Um, and I thought I thought that was a good touch, but the reason why I can't call it like a, an excellent choice or whatever is because it, it doesn't actually, you know, like the implication there is that, like you said earlier, uh, it's supposed to be her transformation. It's supposed yeah. to, you know, sort of examine her choices and her feelings, but it really doesn't examine those things in any substantive way, sure. right? To the extent that we say that we could say that she changed from, you know, early on to the film to uh, five years later, which is about the span of the time that passes. Um, there isn't truly a substantive change because you don't really get anything of her internal life uh, really, you know, at any point in the film. I mean, I guess you could say it's effective by way of its irony, because yeah, yeah, like exactly. I say in the essay, it's like she's a completely static person. Mm-hmm. Like in the in the in the film, like in the beginning, it's like a one when she's with with, with uh, Baku. Uh, she has like she has a best friend, and then they meet up with uh, Baku's uh, relative slash landlord, and they have a little foursome where they're all hanging out. They're they're, they're together, and then later on, when he, she's with Ryohei, she has a friend in Tokyo. He has a friend that he works with and they form a little foursome. And so I, the idea that she is a completely static personality does not change. We don't really get a look into her interior life. And she kind of has to like these patterns sort of reemerge and she has to surround herself with, you know, like kind of like stock characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's effective in that way, I suppose, um, mm-hmm. in, the, in that it's ironic. But apart from that, yeah, we don't really get it good sense of who she is as a person um 
she's just kind of vacuous and, and, and shallow because she ultimately, yeah, later on, she makes a decision to go with Baku and which sort of, you know, reveals that she really was with Ryohei because yeah. of this physical resemblance to him. So and, but, and um, it's 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 yeah. done in a very kind of like Little Mermaid way, right? Like uh, no. Jessica Jessica's always hated Little Mermaid because of what you know. Jessica Schneider, she <laughs> says uh, Little Mermaid is so you know has like all the wrong lessons for young girls, right? Yeah. And here, you know, she she behaves kind of like the Ariel character, where um, you know she's she's at at, at the engagement party, uh, engagement dinner, right? That she's yeah. supposed to be enjoying uh, with her friends and with uh, uh, Ryohei, right? And suddenly. Baku shows up. She immediately goes with him, and she texts from the car as they're driving somewhere far away north <laughs> that she's never been in, with this like guy that's like, acting totally psychopathic. That's the yes. other thing. Yes, exactly, he acts yeah. like like so psychopathically, especially at uh, that point in the film. And you know she's like going off with him, and she's like texting to her friend, you know, give give him our cat. Yeah. And tell him <laughs> to throw to throw out everything that I own. Yes. You know, kind of like yeah, this yeah. like. That's the thing, like a total blank slate of a person, right? Your belongings don't mean anything. Like you've never accumulated anything in your life that you could have any kind of affinity for, any kind of attachment to, yeah. right? The people in your life you have absolutely no attachment to, just like a total blank slate of a character. There's this odd kind of mix of um, just kind of like flat out uh, bad writing in the sense of like yeah. it's it's straining for for meaning. Like for example, like early on where the first time that Baku uh, disappears for like one night, but later on, when she first meets uh, Ryohei, who looks like Vaku, and she's very, she's very uh, surprised to see him, and she thinks that it's Vaku, and she asks like certain things, and it's clear after a while that it's not him. There's this kind of a um, at that point, the writing shifts from just like flat out bad in this kind of like fake poetry, sappy kind of thing to it's just like bad in a purely mechanistic way, where like there, mm. there was like some like uh, I think there was like something with his name. In that in Japanese uh, sounds like the name of like some kind of exact exotic animal, and okay. uh, uh, she 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 like says his name or something, and and um uh, he's like oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he responds like yeah, oh it, oh yeah. the zoo, and then you see like later yeah. on he starts like pining for her. Then from his like from his uh, uh phone he's like looking at at pictures of tapirs, <laughs> which she think he thinks that he called her uh, that he called him that she called him a tapir, yeah. and then she's like I look nothing like that, like a total you know like again it's like very much it's the kind of humor that you get from some right. of these like manga books. Yeah. And it's it's writing that is so like it's so like forced, right? There's there, right. there's nothing there's there's nothing about their interaction that would naturally lead anyone to those kinds of conclusions about you know being yeah. insulted or like anything. But it just sort of happens just to make this totally unfunny joke, right? So there's like yeah. writing of those two types. There's a kind of like bad sort of yeah. like faux poetry and sappiness, and then there, there's the, also in the, in the mechanistic way, say, just like yeah. The most you could say about that is I think it parallels her. Because when she meets Baku, like he, she goes on about his his name about or yeah. I don't know if he ever mentions it or if she mentions it, but how Baku means wheat or something, mm -hmm. and so and then they have like a little conversation about that. Yeah, 
So maybe there's that sort of focus on. Yeah, that's another thing. Like when I talk about these like self-orientalizing qualities, both of the films do this where they have this kind of like passing fixation on the meaning behind this or that name. Yeah. Which, you know, you can't really do obviously in like, you know, typical American names. Right. Like no, nobody thinks like Alex. So yeah, is that after Alexander the Great? And then <laughs> yeah, start yeah. like, you know, fucking off about like, you know, uh, Greek culture and heritage. Like people don't really yeah. do that. Right. And it reminds me of like early on, like the earliest like internet memes. Uh, uh, one meme that was passing around was like, imagine if like Asian women would go around putting you know tattoos of english phrases on their arms right oh. <laughs> and it would be and it would be something like yeah. it would be like this like you know very stereotypical looking like a japanese lady and then on her arm it says water you know <laughs> and it's like you know it just looks stupid right yeah and yeah, i mean yeah. it's, it's the same thing here right this kind of uh fixation like the meaning behind names like that yeah. both films do this and like i'm sure murakami does this uh, in his uh novels and his stories right um that's not to say that there isn't so much a place for it but at a certain point like uh, there is this kind of like weirdly self-orientalizing feature. And I wonder to what extent this is taken from maybe some like Western fixations on this very thing, you know, like about this very thing. Uh, so. I, I spoke with Ethan a, a bit about Ethan Pinch of yeah. the New House. Um, we were talking about Orientalism a little bit in preparation for this. And I think Ori it comes from the famous Edward Said um book right orientalism yeah. about yeah. the west and how it sort of um exotifies if that's a word um the the orient which is i guess the old-fashioned word for the east or near east um and you see it a lot in art right with all the, the pictures of these sort of like the turkish harems right or um or, or certain western visions of what japan or china is like mm -hmm. oh it is a a kind of demeaning or condescending take by sort of taking out these very um, sensational elements from the East and sort of like uh, lavishly depicting it uh, in art form or, or, or something to that. I, I haven't studied it. I haven't, I haven't read the book, but I, you know, in school, everybody learns about it, right? Mm -hmm. I have an English degree. And so we, we certainly talk about Orientalism, but like Japan, there is that sort of, like we said earlier, like a lot of early manga and anime is, is sort of like a, what, what is it, Oxi if not Orientalism, Oxi Occidentalism, right? Mm -hmm. How it sort of extracts very basic elements from the West um, and sort of um, transmogrifies it into its, um, into its own sort of version of what uh, mm -hmm. they see the West as being. Um, so it's like, it's just a, it's like what Orientalism is. It just seems like just a common feature across all cultures. We all sort of, if it's a foreign, if it, we look mm -hmm. at something foreign, we have to uh, transform it into something that's more comfortable in our eyes or we repurpose it for our own um, purposes or, 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 or vision. Um, so and anyway. I just wanted to mention that because I spoke with Ethan yeah. a bit about it. And, yeah, I, mean, I, I think that that's a proper way to do it. I mean, everybody does it uh, to some degree. I mean, even to the extent that you'd be interested in like cultures that are like yeah. not your own, right? I mean, it is because like there is like, oh, there's something different about it. There's something like you are supposed, you are coming in with the expectations of, uh, you know, some level of differences. Yeah. Um, and, and there's nothing, you know, necessarily uh, wrong with that. It's really just just how it's how it's treated. Yeah. Um, we I, all appropriate. 
Yeah, and and yeah. Uh, I, I I do find it kind of interesting. So like both films, Drive My Car and Osaka One Hundred Two, they they feature um, Chekhov. Uh, what? Sorry, I, th- I thought you uh, were you going to go the Chekhov route. Oh no! Well, I mean, they, 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 they both feature Chekhov as a kind of yeah. a, cr- a crutch, right? You need some sort of like thematic, you know, uh, baseline, I guess. But yeah. um, both of them feature female characters that are. It reminds me, honestly, a lot of like when when me and uh, Jill Parrish did that show. Uh, it was like one of the early artifacts on uh, William Stoner's, uh, or rather, yeah. uh, um, John, William uh, John Williams. Yeah. Yeah, John Williams' uh, book Stoner, and Stoner's wife has this like extremely animalistic quality. Like when when yeah. she when she wants to um you know have a child, that's it. She turns into this like animal, right? Yeah. That's like you know wishing to be impregnated. And here uh, in both of these films, you have um, both uh, uh, o- Odo, the wife, and Drive My Car, and here uh, Asako and Asako One Hundred Two that also have very kind of like oddly animalistic drives right and on the one hand like i want to say that it's kind of like you know orientalizing in 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 the sense that um when you you know when you look obviously like uh like if you look at the kind of most extreme cases of how uh maybe like pickup artists or whatever talk about uh, uh asian women or like you know asian countries there's definitely you know like depending on where they travel right they try to assess you know, uh, women as kind of like, you know, pieces of meat and, yeah. and how to unlock them, right? How to get them. But here they, they are sort of like behaving that way, like this kind of like highly reactive, you know, like Asako has uh, absolutely no internal life only to the extent that Baku can imprint himself on her, Yeah, right? Uh, she becomes kind of like animal-like, literally dropping her entire life just to go randomly off with him somewhere where she's not even sure where the hell she's going. Yeah. And then Drive My Car, right? You have this, uh, we're going to talk about this more when we talk about that film, but uh, when o- Oto is like, she's like straight up, the only time that she's able to create art is when she's like on the edge of like some kind of orgasm. It has yeah. to be like mid-sex where she's like thinking of stories. And it's like, you know, that's not that's not how art works. Anybody that does any kind of art will know how absolutely off like ridiculous that is. And I'm sure Murakami himself, right? When he writes stories like that, he's probably not, you know, in the middle of orgasm while it's happening. <laughs> right. Well, uh, yeah. He's he's probably never seen this kind of behavior from from women either, right? That's not how people behave, uh, period. Um, and yet, you know, he wants to write female characters that are very animal-like and reactive in the sense, right? So, oh, uh, I mean, that, there's that motorcycle scene, right? When they, crash, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. they crash, and they're like on the floor, prostrate. And I think you mm-hmm. wrote in your notes how it could potentially be a good scene because they start, you know, laughing. Yeah, but yeah. First, they're laughing because they're like, "Oh my god, the adrenaline!" We're alive. Is, you know, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then they start on the, they're lying down of the road, and they just start making out. Like, and she yeah, falls on yeah. Top and, of and, and, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, like the reason why the scene goes haywire is not even because they kiss. I mean, you could imagine someone, you know, you know, feeling like they might have just been dead, right? Oh my yeah. god, we're alive. They might, you know, quickly kiss, but it becomes this extremely sexual kind of kissing that's like goes on and on and like a crowd form crowd around them. Yeah. and that's that's like another symbol like oh my goodness look they're so they're so oblivious to you know they're yeah. so oblivious to the crowd around them because they're so in love and again yeah. given the fact there's absolutely no basis for this love um it's just so it just comes off as very very cheap yeah um yeah so yeah, oh, oh, another interesting part is so in Osaka 102, there's um, 
uh, there's this friend that uh, Asako has early on um, from uh, from uh, Asaka. Uh, what is her name? Haruyo, um, I think, is her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and she's an interesting character because, on the one hand, like you could tell that she's like petty and jealous in in some respects, right? Uh, yes. But many of, th- and also like she's kind of like used as kind of a like comic relief. Right. Like a cycle meets her after five years and she was like, oh, my yeah. God, like um, you are, you know, you look prettier somehow. And she's like, oh, yeah, I had plastic surgery done. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, although like she's like supposed to be like painted in a way like that's the odd thing. Like she's painted in a way where she's supposed to be kind of superficial. Yeah, like next to the mysterious Asako, when in fact like Asako <laughs> herself is the one that's actually very superficial. Yes, yeah, whereas yeah. her friend is like, you know, you shouldn't be with Baku. You know, he's gonna just uh, only hurt you. And then later yeah. on, when she realizes that, you know, she might only be with, with Ryohei because uh, he looks like Baku, you could tell how alarmed she is. And yeah. then she tell, and then she tells her like when when uh, um, uh, Baku shows up again randomly somewhere. She's like, don't don't go to see him, right? So she seems to be actually the very reasonable one, yeah. uh, despite the fact that she's kind of used for comic relief. And and the thing is, like, I, I would say normally under normal circumstances, oh, that's a good, like, writerly decision, right? That's a kind of like, you know, that's an inversion of expectations. Um, and that's good. But uh, you would, you, uh, for that to be good, you would have to also make uh, Asako, someone of any kind of yeah. substance, but because yeah, it's yeah. not there, right? That's kind of like, me sort of seeing a technicality that in a different kind of uh, artist's hands might actually sure. have some payoff, but there's not there's not anything actually that's happening here yeah. underneath. Unrelated though, like a lot of reviewers mentioned how, or some reviewers uh, mentioned how basically all the side characters come off as far more interesting and yeah. um, and compelling than Asako. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could work if I mean, if Asako were somewhat of more depth, then it could be just like. Just a gallery of interesting characters and focus on Sako, who, uh, but she's so empty and uninteresting that so much of the film focuses on her. Mm-hmm. We're left wanting more with these uh, side characters and like the actor, her actor friend. I think her name's Maya or something. Yeah, Ma- um, yeah Maya is Maya an artist. In, yeah, in Tokyo, she's an actress and she she does the Chekhov play. I mean, there's there's a I guess it's somewhat interesting scene of them having a party her yeah. and Ryohei I, I think that's probably Maya. that has the makings of like being the best scene of the yeah. film but it, that also just goes haywire right yes uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, uh, yeah go ahead oh yeah I'm just gonna set it up how because you know Asako and Ryohei are just starting to get to know each other so they planned this dinner date with um, him and his uh, friend I think uh, what's his name uh, Kushi Hashi. I'm, I'm gonna butcher these Japanese uh, yeah. Kushihashi or whatever, um, his his friend that he works with, and then Asako and Maya all have dinner together, and they watch Maya's performance of the Cheka. I think it's the Seagull. Um, and Ryoho's friend basically just completely roasts her performance, and they have this oh, awkward moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for first, he doesn't want to say anything, right? Yeah, but yeah, then, exactly. He, he makes you know, an excuse. He becomes to critical. Leave. Yeah. Yeah, um, and he, he sort of awkwardly fumbles his way through a critique of her performance, saying it's 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 like not um, it's like it's pandering to the audience, something to that mm. effect. And then he he performs his own uh, Chekhov lines, and then it, it's revealed that he was an actor in a previous mm-hmm. uh, in, before. And then they have this thing where you know Hamaguchi has them work out that kind of awkward scene, that mm-hmm. awkward moment. 
but then it doesn't nothing's really done with it apart from they it, enter it, a relationship they enter into a relationship exactly it's just yeah and they become married and pregnant yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then they're yeah. sort of relegated to the side yeah um, yeah and then and it just I, goes nowhere yeah, yeah I, I i thought it was an interesting scene uh at least how it begins because I mean, some of the critiques that he was making, right, are especially some of the kinds of critiques that, you know, maybe uh, like it reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff that was said in that uh, uh, that Trier film. Um, it was an uh, Oslo, August 31st. It was uh, what was it? Oh, worst, it was called worst, worst Reprise. No, oh, Reprise. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Reprise. Right. Some of the kind of critiques of uh, the arts or whatever it was reminiscent of that. Um uh, the the fact that he says stuff like, oh, and I'm sure, you know, all your friends showed up and they gave you flowers and they said, wonderful performance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I think there's something to that critique. It's interesting to hear, especially in a film like this. It's totally kind of unexpected. But yet it it, it takes immediately this very kind of predict predictable route where, like, first of all, you know, Asako to, sh to show how, like, Asako actually has, like, depth underneath it yes. all, yeah, yeah. right? She's like, well, I was there. And yeah. it did bring her flowers. And it I did cried. say that it was, I cried and it did yeah. say that it was wonderful. It actually did happen as if like that's supposed to, you yeah. know, obviate the actual critiques being made, which, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, who cares that this was your response, right? Who cares that even this was reality, right? Um, no. uh, uh, so, so that's the first part, right? It's kind of like, it's, it's like, it's only like the scene, it's kind of like only used as an opportunity to, uh create like a false depth for the lead character yeah. right that's the first part and the second part is to you know defang all this and to sort of like not push boundaries too much um and that kind of like awkwardness uh, of that scene and how it gets revolved also resolved uh, reminds me a little bit of like early on when um what's the name? her name haru the the, the first uh, friend yeah, the first from friend, yeah from uh osaka and uh uh like when when she first sees baku at that kind of restaurant whatever that they're sitting like the first thing that she like sees him kind of like you know like his bad you shouldn't be with him blah, 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 kind of like totally like yeah. totally totally inappropriate like in any culture i don't care yeah. if it's japan <laughs> yeah. it's totally not only is it totally inappropriate as a kind of you know uh introduction but how extremely quickly as if it, it, like she sits down it's it's as if she never even said that everybody yeah. returns immediately to normal they start laughing about something unrelated um and, and you know like like nothing comes of it right there, there's yeah. tons of moments where just from purely kind of mechanistic perspective sure. the writing is just so unrealistic yeah. like even beyond like the sappy stuff like but just like purely in a technical sense like it's just this comes absolutely out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm not um, the biggest anime guy. I mean, I've read my first share of manga, but it all that just gave me that, like, I was watching some, like, there's even that goofy landlord dude who seems like a, a character out of some. Um, oh, yeah, I, I, I got some anime, about him as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's like, yeah. he's just this sort of, like, constantly joking, silly looking, mm. yeah. um, immature dude. And, you know, there's that moment in, in the dinner what you were talking about where it's like, it doesn't nothing comes across as real yeah um yeah but anyway yeah uh, yeah so speaking of that character so i forget his name but he he's supposed to be the landlord or like a distant yeah. relative oh, of, uh, of of baku right and um like yeah he, he's definitely like he's like uh he's portrayed uh, another reason why like this orientalist thing came up is i mean I, I i see this all the time right it's it's maybe becoming a bit more subtle over time but it's still there and it becomes more overt depending on the context so like we definitely have in america 
uh, the stereotype of this kind of like sexless, effeminate Asian male, yeah. right? That um, uh, like like uh, one very prominent thing recently in America was uh, that guy Andy Ng, or rather Andy No, I guess is how he pronounces his name. I always thought mm. it was pronounced oh, Ng. Yeah, 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 NGO. NGO. Um, so, so this guy, he's like, he's like a total, you know, like right winger. He's a, uh, he says he's a journalist, but he kind of like made his uh, fame just primarily reporting, um, like reporting on uh, Antifa, pro yeah, yeah. Yeah, Antifa <laughs> protests in Portland. Like anytime they'd be like, you know, some guy from Antifa or whatever getting like arrested, he would tweet out like a like a yeah. mugshot uh, of this person. Um, the and, fascist and left. And, yeah. and 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 what he would take take upon himself is kind of like whenever he would do interviews with like Tucker Carlson or whatever, it would always be like he would show up like near tears like and then they threw a milkshake at me and there was cement in it. And then some someone punched me in the face and I had to go to the hospital. And he's like always like, you know, it's oh. like a guy. It's a fucking guy like always like on the edge of tears. Talking about he, he anywhere that anywhere he goes up go goes out he gets beat up anywhere that he goes he gets beat up right and I and you know the the given the fact that you know it's almost exclusively right wingers in his audience right who have racial grievances of their own you know they do love seeing this totally sort of like beaten down Asian man whose only role is to be you know like you know that this uh like you just play exactly that right yeah and so like th this character in Osaka 102 it's very he's very similar like you say he's like very goofy he's very wacky when he like you know takes Osaka uh um to like on the dance floor right when they go into yeah. this like club right he's like oh you don't have to know how to dance you could do whatever you want and he does <laughs> and he's like dancing and sort of like having fun in a way where like it comes off as goofy but like that most women wouldn't be like actually interested in. Yeah. And the next like substantive interaction of any sort that you see with him is like literally like <laughs> he he gets essentially killed off, right? Yeah, he's this a, like he's totally a, yeah, he's a paraplegic. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. You see you see him as this, you know, he's like, you know, now laying in this bed and he's paralyzed. Yeah. He gets killed off essentially in that sense, like symbolically. Sure. And uh she shows up to see him and she's sad, but all that she does is he starts talking to his mom and she just starts reminiscing about like Baku and about yeah. like Ryohi and kind of, and she's, and she says like, Oh my God, I feel like such a piece of shit. Right. Even here, I can only think about myself when I came to see, you know, my old friend who's now paralyzed and yeah. his mother too, like just like starts talking about this. And it's literally like, you know, like he, he's complete. He's like, again, this totally sexless observer, Sure. His feelings, anything else, like it's all irrelevant, right? So again, it, it, it does strike me. I don't know to what extent this kind of uh, character was sort of like, I'm sure there's always been a kind of stock character in, you know, Japanese yeah. art that was like supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the sexless sort of like uh, a romantic kind of, you sure. know, comic relief guy. But um, I, I'm, I just noticed this more and more because I see how this is specifically done to to Asians in America. And I mean, I, I can't help but think that this is a similar kind of d dynamic going on uh, with this character. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're all stock characters. He's, he, there's the goofy sidekick. There's the yeah. the tall, dark and handsome dude who like, you know, who fights this dude for touching Asako at the club, um, who is completely emotionally unavailable. And then there's the super nice guy who's, he just wants the best for him for 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 Asako and um and, and again like probably the most interesting ones who show like the, the Maya and 
Riel, his friend, show more growth mm-hmm. and like actual <laughs> like chemistry and an actual yeah. dynamic where they learn from each other in that one scene than Riohei slash Baku and Asako show in the whole film. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, if I would have watched a movie, I would have rather watched a movie about those two. Um, yeah. Than, so, um, uh, Asako, but yeah. I mean, like moving closer to the film, because I mean, not too much happens, right? So, like five years pass and Riohei. Yeah. So, well, f- well, first of all, um, b- before there's like another kind of anime like sort of a sequence where, uh, so, uh, um, although they're dating, uh, Asako just like breaks it off suddenly because yes. uh, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. because she she does understand that a large part of her attraction to Ryohei is because of the fact that he reminds her so much of Baku. Um, and, you know, he's like, you know, again, like the typical sort of nice guy. He tries to sort of like insinuate himself more and more into her life. Like, okay, you don't want to be with me, but I'm going to get these tickets to see, you know, your friend in this play. And I'm gonna try to show up when you're there, and she doesn't. She doesn't actually show up, and there's like this earthquake that happens. Yeah. Um, and because of that, all the for the rest of the day, the the trains aren't uh, working, so everyone is like walking home or whatever at night. And um, you know, this like totally like anonymous crowd. Eventually, you know, they're coming towards each other, right? It's Ryohei and it's Asako. They see each other at a distance. And the same kind of camera sort of angles you get at the beginning yeah. with Baku, where it just emphasizes like their feet coming together. We see that. And that's the thing with anime, like anime would often do that. That could be like potentially interesting. Like, for example, like um, you, you sometimes see uh, photographs by um, uh, uh, I can't I can't f- 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 believe I forgot her name, but like, but uh, w- w- uh, the woman that uh you know, she was a nanny and she... Oh, Vivian Meyer. Yeah, Vivian Meyer. Like, oh. for example, like you see a lot of photographs. It would be like, you know, the portrait would actually be an emphasis on like some the bottom half of someone's like body, right? Their, their legs or something or the way that their feet look, right? And that's an interesting way of thinking of like portraiture, right? Like how can we focus on everything other than what is ostensibly the most important thing, which is supposed to be the face. And anime sometimes does that, but the problem with anime is it sometimes has like novel uh, kind of techniques that uh are used to serve absolutely no actual higher purpose yeah, yeah. and same thing here there's no actual higher purpose like they come together and they hu- hug one another but it's very obvious that even in that hug that she thinks that she's hugging baku yeah. and this isn't you know going anywhere good and then you know five years pass this is kind of the passage of time they're living in an apartment together they have a cat together they have like a, it seems like a perfectly you know, a good life in that sense, right? But there's always this thing bubbling under the surface. Uh, she meets uh, her friend from Osaka again, and yeah. uh, she she tells her, "Oh, you didn't know that Baku is, you know, he's like Celebrity. a famous, yeah. you know, he's like he's like a famous actor and model now." And she, you know, she she sees him, uh, um, and that's kind of like another kind of thing. That's like another thing that's supposed to give like faux depth to Osaka. Oh. She's not the type that pays attention to mainstream movies, <laughs> mainstream yeah. magazines, commercials. She doesn't look at any of that. Yeah. She doesn't listen to mainstream music. She's so in her own world. But, you know, obviously, where else would she get all this, like, stuff in her head about, like, what lo- yeah. love ought to look like? She must be picking it up from these kinds of, like, cultural cues, right? That are very, like, not deep. So, anyway, she realized, like, oh, my God, you know, Baku's still around. And now he's famous. And uh, th- this attraction comes even more so, I think, probably. And that's the other thing. Like, to the extent yeah. that she's portrayed as a mo- almost kind of like an animal-like reactive figure, you know, she must be like extra turned on that now he's like rich and famous, right? Um, yeah. She, like when, when she finds out that he's in town, 
and she yeah. just becomes like an, <laughs> this is a, a hilarious moment where she basically like she hears she's in town she runs and everybody's like yeah. no don't do it she literally runs there yeah and, and she just becomes she's indistinguishable from another fangirl yeah you know she has that moment where she's waving at his car and that's when mm. that's when he that's how he re-enters her life uh yeah because he he notices her and then um shows up at her door yeah uh but she's she, you know she slams the door she runs and she like literally like covers her her head because mm -hmm. she but you know of course she's she's yeah. still you know it's very much attached to him and when Bakla does return again in the dinner scene like like you, you're never in doubt which as to what she will do when yeah. he offers this hand you know and, and they run off together um which is basically the ending of the film where Asako basically abandons Ryohei uh they go off to the sea right or to um Baku's parents uh yeah like home. very you know very yeah. very north yeah yeah and and he and again he's he's like he's basically the same person he he's, he looks different because you know mm -hmm. he's become a actor slash model now um but like you said he's just this completely emotionless cold mannequin and of, of course she and, and she regrets again that she she you know went to go with him and she waffles and after doing yeah. that text, she she says, "Oh, actually, like I want to go back." And no, yeah. no visible effect on him. She's like, "Okay." Also, yeah. in the car scene, she says, "I, I guess it's it's uh it's supposed to be related to the original Japanese title." She's like, I, "I felt that everything before this point was like a dream." Um, yeah. And now I'm finally awake, but it was a yeah. good dream. And I suppose it's supposed to make the viewer feel sort of like some kind of sadness or melancholy for the life she'd left behind but all it does is make us feel like she's you know delusory yeah um about what had what what life she'd been leaving um and in the very end before she leaves baku goes back to ryohei and is basically like just screaming at him like hey really really uh, accept me again mm -hmm. um and of course understandably he's like i don't want anything to do with you like you completely trashed our relationship that we built mm -hmm. And ran away with this dude that looks like me your ex basically um and then but ultimately he gives in mm -hmm. inexplicably or, or i guess because well, he loves uh, her. I mean, well, well <laughs> do we actually do we actually know that uh, uh he gives in well he at least lets her back into their home and he yeah. reveals that he didn't actually give away their cat yeah yeah which yeah lying that, that's like the softening yeah yes um and then he lets her back in and then they basically have this moment where they're they calm down and he's like he doesn't say that they're going to be together again exactly or explicitly but then he's like i, I after this i'm never going to be able to trust you mm -hmm. and she's like okay yeah that's yeah. fine and also like i'll, I'll learn to yeah stop what, what a nice basis for a relationship <laughs> exactly you know so um if they probably won't last but and, and the very end is them at the balcony of their apartment in Osaka, and they're sort of overlooking the landscape. I, I, I wrote in my review that it's wintry, but I think I may have been mixing it up with driving my car. I don't know what the weather's like, but they're overlooking the river, and she's like, "Oh, this river." It's or she says something, or no, no, no. no Ryohei he, he, goes, this, yeah, "What a yeah, filthy river!" And then Osaka, the very last words of the film are her lines, and she's like, "But it's beautiful." And then the film ends. And well, yeah. they, they exchange these enigmatic glances or he looks at her and then the film ends. And of course, it's, I mean, my interpretation of it is um, 
has to do with her character or something like that. Like she's, mm. she's beautiful, but her actions are filthy, quote unquote. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause she says so twice in the yeah. film, right? The yeah. One time she says like, you know, uh, when she sees the, that, that early friend, like that's paralyzed, like, Oh, you know, I, I only can think about myself. And then during yes. the dinner, yeah. she's like, I behave badly. Yeah. You know, I am bad. Like she's just says like ran, like I am bad, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know. um, um, and she, and it's, one can read it as like about the film being about how she can only focus on the superficial aspects of life and can never mm -hmm. really go deeper or focus on what actually matters that being Ryohei's dependability him being a good person over you know the sort of animal attraction she has with, with Baku mm -hmm. um and then it just kind of ends and then and of course the lines are completely cliched and I mean it's not the worst moment you, it's not the worst ending you can think of but it's still it just really comes off as uh incredibly cliched and not yeah. a good ending but uh yeah and yeah that's and, the end of the two-hour affair is those two lines and and and, and the yeah. thing is um uh you know we, we are supposed to sort of think like oh uh we technically don't know whether or not they could last together yeah. right um all of that uh but the fact is i think like there's this kind of like strain in both films right where kind yeah. of like love is supposed to be all revealing all yes. illuminating all forgiving right and this this is that kind of like weird uh you know occidentalism that i alluded to earlier where we're getting a lot of like i wouldn't even say like typically western you know conceptions of love because i mean if you go further back i mean like the greek the ancient greek conception of love and the roman conceptions of love you know they weren't necessarily uh all that positive um yeah uh but it you know like in the 20th century right obviously a lot of this shifts with the fact that you don't have to get married if you don't want to you're more free to choose your partners uh it's easier to find romantic love and once that begins to happen kind of you know across all cultures really but it's really kind of like a lot of you know it's obviously a lot of american culture that changes a ton of what's going on in japan right because of world war ii because of the occupation yeah. um and you know eventually we start to like peak out in the 80s and 90s when it comes to that kind of thing but these kinds of like western notions of uh of love start to infiltrate but in this film specifically in drive my car it's the most like trite versions of that right yeah. it would be the equivalent of you know, uh, imagine an Asian lady with the word water on her arm, and that's supposed to be like a deep, meaningful tattoo, yeah. right? In English, in English, you look stupid, right? Uh, and maybe, maybe in Japan, like the reason why, I don't know, uh, in the 80s and 90s, this kind of thing started to, to be really latched onto the kind of like pop cultural stuff is because and like maybe a lot of it was new, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you still get obviously like uh, more, more arranged marriages and, or like, you know, quasi arranged marriages in Japan now than you would in America, obviously, right? Um, so you still have some of that sort of, um, you know, newness, I guess, with some of these like sure. concepts of love or whatever. But it, it really is the most kind of trite version of it, right? So like within the narrative of what's going on within the film, if love is treated in this way, it's supposed to be all illuminating and all forgiving. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, even if like it's it's supposed to technically give you an open ended ending, uh, it's not truly open ended, right? Yeah. Um, all the propaganda is set up so that you you come to a different kind of conclusion, right? So, yeah. let me see. Uh, was there anything else uh, to say about uh, this 
movie. Uh, I, I mean, like, I, like I would say there's a couple of like uh, potentially good moments, but again, given that there's no actual payoff and you're not building towards anything, it, it doesn't matter, you know, sure. that even some of these moments exist. And to the extent that moments exist, you know, you wonder how much of it is just like pure randomness because it's a couple yeah. of moments out of like a ton of ton of like missteps, right? So, I mean, you, yeah. you, you, if you give an artist like enough space, right? They're going to eventually, if, if, yeah. even if they're just fucking around, they're going to fuck around enough where, you know, haphazardly, you know, right. something might come out. But anyway, we can, we can move on to uh, Drive My Car, which yeah. is, uh, I assume the uh, most viewers are the ones, uh, <laughs> this is the film that they're familiar with, right? I, I, yeah, I, probably. We, we, neither yeah. of us heard, heard of this director until um, until this movie came out and we started hearing about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Drive My Car. It's So it's actually, so th this movie is um like uh Asaka one and two it's based off of um work of literature um Asaka one and two was based off of a novel i forget the author's name um but drive my car is based off of a book of short stories by haruki murakami uh, called men without women it's right here um i believe this came out uh let's see like 2014 20 probably uh yes 2014 and then the english translation came out 2017 something like that mm -hmm. um and it's also it's the the title comes from one of the short stories but it's based off of uh, a number of them um and sort of like asaka wanted to there's not much happens plot wise but it's an incredibly long film uh it, it centers on this uh theater director slash actor uh named kafuku uh which is a play off of kafka who's a writer that murakami is influenced by and both mm -hmm. have surrealistic aspects in their work um so it centers on this guy who's a theater director and actor he's most notable for his plays which are multilingual they have multilingual casts um so you'll have multiple actors uh, from different, like different nationalities acting on the same stage and they have the subtitles uh, on like an overhead projector. Uh, and so, you know, he's sort of like this artsy, daring maverick in the theater world, I suppose. And he's married to a TV screenwriter named Oto, uh, who I guess can be kind of like the Asako equivalent almost. Mm -hmm. This very beautiful, almost ethereal um, Japanese woman the, the exception Japanese. being that the, the difference being is that we see her also as extremely sexual where there's yes whereas like Explicit a sako yeah, like yeah. is so sexless right she's yes. supposed to, that's yeah, supposed yeah. to be like the mystery yes you know um and they have this uh what seems like a very uh happy content relationship um in this 45 minute long intro of the film um but then it's slowly revealed that she is unfaithful to him uh she would have um like where it's revealed he comes back home after going on a trip or something and he sees her having sex with uh this faceless dude but we can assume is sort of like one of the young actors she works with she's a tv screenwriter and he says nothing about it because um for reasons later explained in the film um and you know they have this dynamic where he, there seems to be like you one can tell that there's more to more underneath the surface there's probably some unsatisfaction uh because she like we, like we mentioned earlier 
she gets all her uh, um, like screenplay ideas from or story ideas uh, during like climax or, or after sex where she would sort of regale uh, Kafuku with these really odd stories, uh, particularly about uh, this, about a girl who <laughs> basically uh, breaks into her high school crush's home and like uses his paraphernalia to get off and, and masturbate. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just really weird stories that are also based off of uh, another story. Yeah, so, 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 so yeah. let's talk about that. Like that, that yeah. initial framing. Like one of the, yeah, yeah. there's like, there's a few like thematic sort of like framing strategy structures. One of those is like everything is kind of like uh, the backdrop. We have these Chekhov plays, yes. but another thing is like we sort of like begin and end uh, to some degree with uh, Otto's sort of like. Um, uh, story about a what is the name of that boy yamuga or something uh that something, yeah. yeah so so it's basically yeah. like a, a story right and she's telling this story while she's like in the middle of sex right yeah. which is like another layer but just like you know it's just it's just again like like i this doesn't seem like it's like a normal part of japanese culture right it seems <laughs> like this is a highly specific niche you know like when, when like when westerners think of like what is that like um like what, what, what is that like the a weebo or something yeah a weebo, yeah yeah like uh um you know like they would sort of like imagine some of these kind of situations so she's like in this hypersexual woman and she's she's in the middle of sex and she's saying this story about this uh uh girl right and she's a girl because this is like a teenage girl like a high school girl who you know becomes like infatuated with some like uh, boy right in one of her classes or whatever and she breaks into his house when there's like nobody home. Yeah. And she goes into his bedroom every time and she leaves like a token of herself every time. Sometimes it could be like an unused tampon, right? Yeah. Or it could be like eventually like she leaves like a pair of panties or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, one day she's like in her bed and she's like, you know, uh, or rather she's in his bed and she's like masturbating on the bed. And she hears like somebody coming upstairs and the story ends that there, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's supposed to be this kind of like dramatic thing where, um, oh, you know, what happens next? Like, <laughs> yeah. like as if you're like on the edge of your fucking seat, like that you would even care about this totally absurd, you know, like uh, totally like out of the norm, absurd, you know, yeah. just kind of like situations being described. And ultimately, so uh, one of the one of the actors that she's uh, having sex with. Um, that eventually uh, uh, stars in uh, or wants to star in, in uh, 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 Uncle Vanya that yeah. um, uh, that uh, Kasuki or rather Kafuki. Kafuku, yeah. Well, it's uh, is it Kafuke? K A F. I don't know if it's K E. I think it's K U, but I could be wrong. Kafuku. Well, well, I mean, yeah. some of these transliterations might be wrong, right? Because I, right. I I saw the E, but may, maybe uh, it, oh, it, it's, it's probably yeah, it might be it. But anyway, like it's supposed to be like, you know, that, that, yeah, that Kafka illusion, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, this, yeah. this, uh, Kifuki. So, like, he's, um, so he's told by this actor, like, oh, you know, uh, she, she, she did complete the story and this is how yeah. it ends. And the way that that story ends, and this is like supposed to be like the capstone, this is supposed to be how the, this like big, like three hour yeah. film, you know, draws to a conclusion. Um, and the conclusion is, the man that's coming upstairs is actually an intruder, right? He's a burglar yeah. and he sees her and he tries to rape her. So she takes like a pen knife and kills him. Yeah. And uh, uh, she, you know, and she feels like very guilty about this killing. Um, so eventually she like goes to a security camera in front of the house and she confesses to it. 
And it's like, yeah. like that, that's the fucking like wonderful, <laughs> mysterious, like oh, yeah. playwright wife, right? This is her yeah. internal kind of artistic mystery, right? This is the, this is the, uh, you know, edge of your seat uh, cliffhanger yeah. that she leaves her husband with before dying. Um, and it's so like, you know, again, like, so literally all you have left then is that, and, you know, hyper like sexual sort of an animal like quality to her. Yeah. And uh, the, the funny part is like, so you, you first mentioned the Orientalism when you were talking about your uh, viewing of Drive My Car. And I saw this applied actually to both films, but I was like, all right, let me see. Let me see what Zeke means uh, in terms of like what what some of the reviews say about Drive My Car. And this is like one of the things that I came across. Um, this was in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, and uh, this is this is a white guy uh, writing this review, and this and this is how it ends. Um, the acting is another of the deep pleasures. This is a film of great physical and visceral pleasure, despite all the sadness. The characters speak only when they have something to say. There's little small talk. There's a lot of silence too, which scares most filmmakers. <clears throat> only the brave know how to use it. That's partly a Japanese thing. Gesture. <laughs> yeah. Gesture and negative space carry great weight. A passionate kiss between husband and wife implies meaning. The Japanese, for most of their history, did not openly kiss. Thus, this is a modern couple, right? It's late in the film before anyone bows, yet one of the most important moments comes when one character bows so deeply to another in a gesture of great power. After three hours, I felt like watching it again. It's that good. Yeah, that yeah. that is very... That, that is, that's the thing. It is such like overt orientalism but because it's in the service of praising a multicultural film everyone is willing to like pass over that a white guy is saying that yeah um you know this kind of shit uh and like it, it, like and this kind of like thing about like a modern japanese couple it's very funny to read because like if, if you you know if you read you know tanizaki's some prefer nettles which i believe it was like published either in the 50s or the 60s or the 40s um and it, it depicts a modern Japanese couple, right, in the 20s, right, also with, like, these, you know, sort of uh, American culture and just, like, Western culture in general already, like, permeating. And in Tanizaki's novel, um, you know, they, they have, like, an open marriage. Uh, the wife is, like, constantly sort of, like, you know, going uh, out, you know, seeing a lover, you know, perhaps seeing other men as well. And uh, the, the husband has more or less accepted this, but there's so much more, like psychological richness richness behind it it, it this, this dynamic really does get examined in a very very peculiar way a very particular way mm -hmm. like early on when the, when the book opens um you see she's like the the wife is getting ready to go out somewhere but she's not actually sure like should i go out maybe i will maybe i wouldn't and they have like so much time like they're sort of like sitting around and you know she's taking a long bath he's kind of like reading pointlessly like without a, a real reason um and you could tell like uh eventually like a few pages in you start realizing the conflict is you know they're not they, they've never totally gotten over this discomfort that she goes out and she sees other people and he perhaps yeah. goes and he sees uh, uh other people himself and it's characterized as uh uh they they are balancing like a basin of water right between one another hoping that it doesn't spill over, right? And that's such an apt and perfect description for what's going on in the text. And here, like, you don't, like, you don't get any of that. Like, someone just calls this a modern marriage, but there's nothing yeah. particularly modern about it other than the fact that they clearly don't communicate at all, Yeah. right? They don't yeah. really know, it seems like, almost anything really about themselves, about each other. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, like, like, I, I'm not sure, like, how, how, how different this is from like, a, a, a t- you know, like a, a, a typical Japanese marriage, but this strikes me as uh, Orientalism um, in a yeah. way that's like, no, different than uh, either the self orientalism or the kind of you know sure. reverse kind of occidentalism that happens you know uh, to and fro um uh, yeah. these films so i found it like an interesting little thing and you said that other parts of uh, like when you're reading reviews you noticed the orientalism specifically uh, among the reviews like like what what did you see um i sh- i probably should have researched more but i don't know it's like i think it's just because there's People have this idea of the Japanese, like I mentioned in the, my Asako review, of like having these sort of like spare static framing. There's, you know, like silences. There's, uh, it's very relaxed pacing. And this is, you know, something that you'll get in a lot of the Japanese classics, like which I haven't, I've only seen like a couple from Kurosawa. I've seen Tokyo Story. Um, but in any case, that's sort of like the, the, the those are like the classical um mm-hmm. features of of these of these movies and so you, you know you'll get some of that in Hamaguchi's films you'll get it's really relaxed it's really long it's the pacing sort of is goes at its own pace the, the static framing and so i think people will just see that and they imbue depth into it um mm-hmm. yeah purely by virtue of those elements uh, yeah, and of course there's like there's there's the meta things, and we haven't really gone into much of the plot of the the movie, um, but I don't know. I I, I just I, I noticed that in some of the reviews where, like like that one guy, like the guy you read, it's like it's very Japanese, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so if if we're if we're let, if we're thinking that these characters aren't very deep, or their characters aren't, they're not being explored, their dynamics aren't being explored in any way it's because oh this it's just that they do things differently over there mm-hmm. so we have to yeah. kind of like yeah you know, <laughs> yeah and, and, forgive and, some and, of these you know yeah yeah and, and and that's kind of the irony like again back to tanizaki yeah. like when you read like uh some prefer nettles um the the most striking thing is how kind of you know outside of like what you mentioned like the kind of like slow pacing yeah. the build up you know the kind of like give and take that is I'd say like very classically sort of like you know Asian literature you yeah. know, not just yeah, Japanese yeah. but Asian literature in general tends to have you know some of that um, you know aesthetic uh, uh, aesthetic kind of decision making yeah but um, the the very striking thing about Semper Fornells is how utterly un-Japanese is it is how like totally just modern psychologically so like it's so easy for a westerner to read and totally yeah. understand right and you get the sense okay so if this is a book that's written in the 40s and 50s or whatever it was uh to ha- to to have this you know just display this kind of like modern sensibility that is the striking part actually right it's not yeah. this it's not this other stuff that's being talked about and uh specifically in that book like you know um so to compare it to drive my car so like when he sees for the first time that you know, there's this actor that was brought into his house and she's having sex with this because like so he misses like a flight. He's supposed to yeah, be going to yeah, yeah. I believe it's like to Vladivostok, right? So yes. yeah, he yeah. misses he misses uh the the flight to Vladivostok and then he's just like, you know, he's he's just in there uh coming back home and uh 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 he so he sees his wife and the depth that we're supposed to view is oh he sees them and he says nothing and we hear nothing about this until like an hour and a half later into the film right yeah um yeah. whereas like in in tanizaki you see like a rich characterization of the husband right where he's 
you know, he's like talking, for example, to one of his uh, friends or relatives, I forget who it was. And uh, the relative says something like, you know, you keep searching and building up the, this perfect woman. And, you know, you, you have to understand that people like that don't exist. And he, and he describes like what he wants, like that he wants a sort of like almost like virginal type figure with yeah. something of the courtesan in her. Right. And then like the friend just scoffs. He's like, what are you even talking about? This is totally, you know, like what exactly are you looking for? Right. Um, And you get this by imbuement. You could sort of like imagine that maybe this is what, you know, uh, uh, this playwright or rather this like play director uh, wants. Right. Yeah. He wants like somebody like her who has this kind of like artistic quality, but also has something of the courtesan in her, which is why he doesn't like say anything about it. Right. Uh, yeah. But like you're just left, it's just literal guesswork. None of this is really built built up. And um, it, it, it is funny how like after, you know, he comes home and he sees uh, his wife is dead. Um, that's like 45 minutes that's in. 45 and then the, minutes, yeah. And, and th- that's when the credits start rolling in. It's like, okay, yeah. so like close to a third of the film is over already. And yet there's like nothing of any real substance that's been revealed, right? Yeah. That's like, that, that should be immediately a red flag and alarm right. bell to anyone that's like, you know, uh, this watching this movie. Like we learned that they had a child who, who died. And so that yeah. points to there being some, maybe like some undealt with trauma in their relationship that yeah. leads them to not be able to communicate with each other. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then like last moments of that intro is, well, it's also exposed that he, um, something's wrong with his eyes. So he can't drive properly. So she has to drive him everywhere. Um, well, which is another, like, what would yeah. you think of that as, as a symbol? like <laughs> it's i mean it's it's a little obvious yeah um but um but i think but that was like a lot of this like one of my main points in the essay is that i don't know how much like a lot of this stems from the source material like a lot of the problems uh from the murakami stories uh so i don't know how much i can pin on hamaguchi but anyway so he he can't drive himself um, and that's one thing that gets introduced in the intro. And then the other is that right before she dies, Oda's like, Hey, we need to talk when you get home. Obviously mm-hmm. they're probably going to like have some kind of important discussion. And he's like, okay. And then when he gets home, she has a brain hemorrhage out of nowhere. And so she's dead. And then, yeah. And it's kind of implied uh, that maybe he comes home late because he's not looking yeah. forward to this, yeah. uh, discussion. Right. Yeah. So that's the thing Like you get like those little kinds of like little hints, but uh, like and I mean, like you could get a lot of great characterization just by these kinds of hints, but you need something else going on with like the interpersonal interactions, yeah. some other pointing to some other kind of depths within these characters. But so far, like all, all you get is this kind of like force sort of stuff. Like, okay, so we know there's a dead daughter. Yeah. We know that maybe he's sort of like you know skipped going home uh, uh, early and and possibly like led to uh, her her death by not being there early enough, right? Um, maybe there was like some guilt, you know, related to, to this kind of thing, but like, the, the, like, like the point is like the choices leading up to it, like, for example, like why, okay, why did he not want to come home earlier? Let's say it's yeah. because, you know, he thinks she's going to like start admitting to all these affairs or whatever it might be. Right. But you would need like, like you, you would need something between them to have been built up already in those 45 minutes before that would have like potentially some kind of payoff. And the fact that we don't get that. Yeah. That just becomes a means of like trying to force not the characters forward, but really just the plot forward, right? Yeah. So it becomes very much a kind of like plot driven film that is dependent on some of these other like little like um, you know techniques. Like okay, yeah. we have to 
early story of, uh, you know, masturbating in the bed thing. And then we have the Uncle Vanya framing and all this other stuff. And we have the, the driving and silence framing. So um, and, and every and all those things also become almost purely plot devices as opposed to anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so after the intro, it's basically the, the next two hours is basically Kafuku doing going to Hiroshima or Hiroshima uh, to direct Uncle Vanya. And he has his cast. And one of them who's playing Uncle Vanya is the sort of like a teen celebrity or not teen, but like good looking uh, male actor who probably was in a uh, who's having an affair with Otto. Um, and so he, he does the play and he has to be driven around by this really, again, really laconic, unemotional uh, young woman named, uh, oh God, uh, Misaki? Yeah, Misaki, I think is her Mas name. Misaki, yeah. yeah. She's the driver. And basically it's the, the rest of the movie is about them Kafuku trying to come to grips with Oto and their relationship. And, and there's this annoying thing of like there being this like un, unpassable divide between man and woman. And like we'll never really know each other because there is this opaque, like uh, dark swirl mm -hmm. that uh, that's in each of us that cannot be ever understood. So we have to be just content with what we can understand and be, you know, happy with the love that we have um, through this lack of communication, which I guess is the overriding uh, theme or metaphor. Yeah. We, which is why, which is why yeah. we have like this weird thing going on with, um, you know, uh, how are we going to do the stage direction here? Oh, I know yeah. we're going to have uh, uncle Vanya be, you know, uh, played with like three or four different languages, you know, and yeah. everybody, and everybody's yeah. like talking to each other in different languages. And the only way that, um you know the audience knows uh what's being said is because we have like subtitles yeah. for everything right which is like it, it, it's all it's such a ham-fisted symbol of like yeah you know it's difficult to communicate uh that's not to say that there, there's nothing that comes of it like there is that interesting scene where like they're in the park and they're playing out um one of the parts and then you have the uh uh the deaf woman um and they seem to have, uh, they seem to have like a very nice interaction there. But again, yeah. it's not, it's not, nothing is really done with it. It doesn't carry, it's not carried anywhere. It's not, it doesn't really fold or, or, or go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but just like as a frame, this whole idea of, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to have this kind of play done in this kind of way, you know, just, just very kind of, just, just very ham fisted. And it reminds me also kind of like what happens with like the worst of like modern, uh, like like stage acting like um yeah. i remember like uh a while ago i went to see this live uh play rendition of scenes from a marriage i remember you asked yeah yeah i i wrote about a website and yeah. um i mean it, it like scenes from like uh, uh bergman scenes from a marriage is in some ways like a perfect uh movie to put into play form because uh everything is mostly two characters yeah. and you know that kind of thing but there was this like uh, the, what they did was like they had like three sets of different actors and they all have you know they're all like playing out this like marital you know uh, disharmony or whatever and you know everything just sort of comes to a form where they're all acting simultaneously and it's supposed to be so like we don't understand each other yeah but again it's too ham-fisted it's too right. over the top right this is bad symbolism there's no point to like fuck with a film uh, like that in such a way to make like a, a great film with something totally imperfect. 
yeah. right? Um, or here, you know, you, you take Uncle Vanya, which, um, you know, like, and like which I should said, say, they, they, they focus on the, like, they don't even get into like the best parts of Uncle Vanya, which is, yeah, they, of, they have, they have the yeah. melodrama. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the, basically the two hours is them staging the play. Um, and so there's two dynamics. There's Kafuku and Takatsuki, who's a young actor. And they both have this, we're not sure if Kafuku is genuinely trying to get to know Takatsuki uh, to befriend him and like, you know, be a, a good director of, of the play or if he's trying to somehow um, like fake a friendship to really, to, to, to get at Takatsuki in revenge for them having an affair. But they're both trying to grapple with who Oto was and is. They, their one common denominator apart from the, the sexual relationship is Oto would tell both of them the, the story about the, the home invader. And, you know, like you said, the big reveal, there's this long monologue where Takatsuki reveals that, in fact, she gave him the ending to that story um, that Kafuku never got. And it's about, like, you know, the rapist and her killing the body. And um, the body, it, like, her never being um, really, like, uh, like, found out, right? Yeah. And it, it's, it just sort of ends and then he's just sort of like gives up like they just shrug it off like well we can never really know who Oto is we just have to be grateful for the love that we had for her yeah the yeah years that you yeah, share yeah. and then it's like and it, this is supposed to be some kind of epiphany i suppose for kafuku um but but it just comes off as so like it's just you know yeah. man there's nothing there and then the other dynamic is uh kafuku and masaki who is his driver and that's, they both are dealing with this unexplored trauma. There's Kafuku with Oto and there's Misaki with her mother and the uh, unhealthy relationship she had with her and the fact that she had died in, a, um, in an accident um, and she feels guilt because she didn't help her out. But like, it's in that relationship, like I, they're, they're probably really good actors. I haven't seen them in anything apart from these movies. But the performances are just so dull. And Misaki in particular is just this completely, like to the point of a caricature of her being. Yeah, she, she, she literally does not once, not yeah. once uh, smiles at all in the film until the final, final, final scene yes. where it's like, oh, finally, the both of us are over this kind of trauma. Yeah. I can smile, you know? And it's like, that is also just so unbelievably hamfist that I wonder if it's yeah. like that in the Murakami uh, story. I, honestly, it wouldn't even surprise me because uh, uh, when you were doing your review, I even forgot that I had reviewed that Murakami uh, novel. A colorless. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember the exactly, yeah. like colorless yeah. like something in his like <laughs> yeah, years yeah. of pilgrimage. Yeah, and honestly, like I, I literally like uh, I have. I completely don't even, I wouldn't even tell you what the book is about now. I, I wrote, I, I read the book, I reviewed yeah. it, but at this point, everything I've forgotten. And I, I read something else by him. Um, I think it was the wind up bird chronicle yeah. also virtually uh, nothing that I remember about it. Um, and you know, it's, it's weird. Like in a lot of like Japanese, uh, like, like you don't have the same thing as like you have in America where like we have this like total fixation on like, you know, like superhero films and like shit like that, right? Yeah. There you have that kind of outlet through some of the kind of like, you know, like bigger anime series. But instead what happens is you have like these totally kind of like token people and relationship and existences like a, like a, in, a, in the Asako film or in also this, they're like blown up into like totally, 
you know, it's so dramatic and it's so revealing yeah. and it's so rich and it's so deep, right? And he himself, right? He, uh, the, uh, Hamaguchi says that he's uh, very much influenced by uh, John Cassavetes. As we're going to say, right? yeah. <laughs> right. So, so like yeah. he, he's trying, he's trying to sort of like say, like, oh, there is like something within this banality, but just like with the Marvel movies, like by, you know, yeah. uh, blowing up into this very like big thing it doesn't really do anything except like the blow up here you blow something up into this big thing that's supposed to have like an emotional resonance that we're not actually getting and also like i'm not sure if the implication uh, in the end scene is that um the driver uh is now in a relationship with i think i think the impl it's just that kafuku is so grateful for how she helped him work out through or his, maybe just gives the trauma. car you know he just gives her the car and she yeah, ends yeah. up with the dog that i think the one smile we see is that when they go over to the um the the couple's house and they have a nice mm -hmm. dinner she she plays with the dog and so there's some oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so the, too, yeah yeah the very ending is her basically it's like you know it's it's, it's very it's all very banal mm -hmm. um most of this movie uh because the, the ending is just that she's just getting groceries she's got the car she's got the dog we assume Kafuku is happier now. He's gifted her with this car that she's so good at driving. And, mm -hmm. You know, she's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it just, it's just ends like that. And, and, and the story is not even, I mean, the story's. I would say it's better because it's shorter. Um, because like all the problems of Murakami are cut down on because of the length of the short story, mm -hmm. like in the novels, it's, it's worse because there's so much time um or there's so much space to mess up um but uh but yeah the story is is uh basically has the same themes of her being such a good driver that he's able to kind of like filter the world out because of her skills and making mm. her driving so well and then and she sort of gives oh well we'll never know you know we'll never know someone's reasons for doing what they did to us we just kind of have to move on with our life yeah and then, uh, yeah, and then yeah, that's yeah. the that's the big emotional payoff for Kafuku is that he's yeah. like, we just have to go on. We just have to move on when people die and they hurt us. But you know, life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they yeah, cry, it, and it's like, yeah, like I said, like both films have this like very weird emphasis on, uh, you know, like redeeming uh, the female characters. And yeah. here, and here, like it seems even it's like much more. Uh, I I don't want to say like it's it's more or 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 less uh, justified, but uh, it's kind of like e even weirder, right? Because it's like everybody here wants to get to the bottom of like Odo's like internal secret, but it's like a, a secret based on what? Like she's yeah. she's clearly not a talented writer, right? In any kind of way, and that but that's the thing, like to an average like audience goer, right? To a movie goer, right? Um, they might be like, oh yeah, that is, that is an interesting story. There's a masturbating teenage girl and yeah. her crush is bad and she kills uh, a burglar. You know, like what the fuck? Like a burglar happens to show up, <laughs> you know, in Japan of all fucking places. And now there's this murder that, you know, almost never will you find a murder in Japan, but wow. this is the kind of murder that occurs, right? In this like totally like dramatic way. Um, so it's like like there, there's not actually anything to uncover, right? There's nothing, sure. anything about, and that's the thing. Like to the extent that there there is anything to uncover, right? If we want to go back to this like uh, thing of Orientalism and these kinds of readings, it it has to be the fact that you know Odo is good looking, and I fucking get it. You know, you know, like if you're like a white, you know, a movie goer, <laughs> and you see like a hot Asian girl, like I I I you know I 
I, I totally understand that. But if this is really like your only attachment, this will be latch on to like, like imagine if she was ugly, right? There would be no, we have to get to the bottom of this guys. Like you have, you know, the husband who feels like, you know, emotionally destroyed by the wife. You have her extremely young lover who's like, yeah, I get to, I get to fuck a MILF, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have like all these other people, like, and they're all responding to like her physicality. Yeah. Uh, and not just like physical in terms of looks, but like the fact that she's so hypersexual and yeah. everybody's obsessed with like redeeming her. Like first it's like, you know, it's, um, it's the uh, Uncle Vanya actor, right? Who ends up like, you know, uh, being, uh, I guess, jailed. Yeah. Uh, pro yeah. Probably, he probably. Killed, he, he beats yeah. a paparazzi guy to death <laughs> he, 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 he's not even a paparazzi guy he's just like some random guy yes. who's like has like a who, and that's the yeah. thing like like that's supposed to like demonstrate uh how he's and that's the thing like when, when you see that that actor in any other context yeah. he's just kind of like you know he's like polite semi-normal but like he's supposed to have this like edge to him where like he secretly yeah. beats people or he like starts like affairs with people yeah um yeah. but you know there's also nothing really of substance about him but like, but like anyway um so like, so this character, he's obsessed with like in the car, right? When they're having that conversation, yeah. like, you know, I, I really, you know, like, I really think that she loved you. Like, and there's all these mysteries, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the driver and she yeah. starts to like totally like insinuate into this. Like, I think you have to understand that, you know, she, you know, she loves you anyway. There's this depth right. and we can never know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, he himself starts saying like, you know, she betrayed me in all these like ways that are like very natural to her yeah right and uh but she still loved me and it's like that, that's a like for 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 you know these are people that are not they're not teenagers right they're acting yeah. like teenagers but uh these are supposed to be like very mature loves these are supposed to be long-term marriages and yet they are thinking about each other and they're thinking about love and they're thinking about human emotions in very very childlike ways it just you know, there, there's there's no action. Like, if you're someone that's looking for a mature, you know, Japanese Hanazaki type drama, which again, like, I would urge anybody that's like so into this film, they're shocked that we could be saying such a thing about it. Go, go, you know, go to the library and get Tanizaki's Some Prefer Nettles. Yeah. A very similar kind of dynamic is going on. There's also very much a kind of like open-ended uh, ending uh, to the book. And just compare the internal psychological richness and how these situations, some of them are a little bit similar, how they get set up, what the payoff is, why it's going on. Some of these characters are like supposed to be stock characters that are given depth later. Here, they're just stock characters from beginning yeah. to end, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's an uninteresting thing to explore. Like there is, yeah. there are limitations to our subjective experience. We can't really know what even our most intimate relationships the people in our most intimate relationships, what they really, mm -hmm. really think, right? Like that, that's something that can be explored, but what Hamaguchi rests on are like just the most cliched conclusions of like, oh, a, a tearful embrace from the snow of them having to get over death or, or with Uncle Vanya, like the, like the ending of Uncle Vanya has Sonia going saying like, oh, like there will be paradise after our struggle, right? That's the closing monologue. Mm -hmm. But in, in the movie, it, it, it plays that. It has the, the deaf Korean actress um, signing the, um, mm -hmm. her final, Sonia's final uh, lines. And this is like raved about in, in reviews. Like, oh, it's like the, the movie is worth this scene alone of this final uh, ending. But it's like, it's, but in the play, it's like, there's this irony about it. Like Sonia's saying, oh, after all our struggles, there will be paradise and God will reward us. But you know, Vanya's still counting off their like the the finances and there's this 
irony to it that like what she's saying she might not even really believe but in the movie it's it's it seems to be played off as as if that's like it, it plays into the sacrament mm-hmm. aspect of it like there will yeah. be comfort there is you know there like despite our the darkness there is a light right that's the, the cliche yeah. ending which is how it literally ends um yeah like just happiness like a reward a, a final yeah. uh, gratification after the struggles of these characters yeah um and so like you have this interesting thing of there being a mystery to the to even our uh to the people we love but then it it, it chooses the most saccharine conclusions yeah. you know so yeah and, and the lamprey thing it's like it's so the the whole sex stories is based off of another short story in the book called Scheherazade. Um, and, you know, Scheherazade, the classic story of this woman being forced to tell these stories for her own life, right. Uh, in her imprisonment. Um, and, you know, I guess it's supposed to say that Oto feels imprisoned in this marital situation. She can't, none mm-hmm. of them can be really honest with each other. So they have to resort to these sort of like really, like badly written <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, dream stories in order to explain or to to confess their their true feelings or her true feelings at least you know and and, and the lamprey is like so she's like extracting she's le- leeching off of you know these her husband and also the the male actor she she has sex with um, for her own benefit and you know it's it's there's nothing really all that mysterious about it like. Um, so when, it, it, when, it, yeah. except, except for that kind of you know uh former life lamprey like yeah 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 you know, it's 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 only that oriental sort of like it's like odd you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah detail yeah. that you know like like in and of itself like there's no actual you you can't just invoke yeah uh, reincarnation right and then suddenly yeah, oh yeah. my goodness all this depth comes to the fore right that that is total you know and totalizing you know kind of orientalism sure. yeah sure um, um yeah i mean and I was going to say earlier about, um, like, with Asako 1 and 2, there's, like, a doppelganger uh, device, right, with Baku and Ryohei. I watched uh, to kind of, like, get a sense of how an, a better artist might might use that device. I, I watched uh, The Double Life of Veronique. Have you heard of that oh, one? Yeah. yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, it's probably yeah, like one of his, yeah. I watched that. And there's, and there's actual also a doppelganger. There. There's so and much there's, mystery there. Exactly. Yeah. And what he uses that device, there's like metaphysical implications to it. Like mm-hmm. nothing's really ever cleared. Kasaki never explains why there's two versions of the same person living, like one in Poland and one in France. I, 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 think, like, they, I think they are they are supposed to be uh, twin sisters. Perhaps, but like it, he never says that. What, right? Was so, that, what, that's never made clear? I don't think so. I just watched it yesterday. I, I could be wrong, but... In any yeah, case, I, I've, I've, I've always this, assumed it was, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. There's this kind of mystery about it, right? That he explores. And it's this very beautiful, sensual film um, that 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 explores like that that feeling of there being another you somewhere. And, yeah, you know, and, he, and he, even film, in the but, sex scenes that comes out, you know, um, yeah. they're kind of like filmed from this kind of like uh, uh I forget the exact uh, it was, it's some sort of angle it's a, through some kind of like translucent glass like where yes. there's like yeah. distortions and there's there's clear like implications yeah. yeah there's clear like implications for like you know fraction fractioned uh personalities and, and that sure. kind of thing whereas yeah. here is just kind of like you know it's like sex scenes for the sake of sake sex scenes yeah and it's and it's for, for 
Asaka wanted too, the doppelganger is just like, oh, it's just this really banal story about emotional <laughs> infidelity, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he does with it as opposed to what, you know, Kisilovsky does with, or Kisilovsky or however you say it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and this got a lot, Drive My Car got basically catapulted. He won the best international feature at the Oscars. Yeah. I think he's I that. only him, Kurosawa, Kurosawa and Teshigahara. Uh, Who did a, a Woman in the Dunes, yeah. I think so, yeah. But I don't think it was for that. Maybe it was for that movie. I don't remember, but mm. um, yeah, but 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 yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty, you know, it, it it is interesting, again, to see, like, uh, when you read some of these reviews, you read, uh, uh, you know, between the lines, you know, how much can you get away with, like, tokenizing and otherizing, orientalizing, yeah. or, like, whatever, if it's, like, to, like, to a perceived service right if it's in the service of whatever is like happens to be a fad whatever is considered okay right like if you're sort of like you know propping up you know like uh multicultural directors yeah. you could orientalize you could do you know pretty much anything that you want um and no one is going to sort of uh think you know any uh any less of you for it. in fact yeah. they won't even see it right and, and that's yeah. the thing i mean even the director right and moral economy like they're all complicit in this thing right they're giving you they're giving you all of this uh stuff to extrapolate from right i mean they're telling they're telling you like oh no she has so much stuff she has that she has yes, it has yeah, it has yeah. it but literally all they do give you is the fact that she's beautiful sensual and highly sexual that's all you get yeah. so i mean um you, you 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 can't but imagine a bunch of like you know the revere die quoted is some like <laughs> you know uh, uh advanced middle-aged guy in australia or whatever yeah who, who i'm sure you know um you know like uh, a lot of these people have you know uh these sort of whether or not they uh uh would make a big deal of it there's probably some sort of like fantasy thing going on yeah right and i mean you know, and there's not there's nothing even necessarily wrong with that but the fact is it's like if this is all that the artist really gives you right i would expect a lot of like white western men to uh have praise that whether or not they really get it gets built up around this like you know a uh, pearl of like uh you know like just just pure physicality which is you know it's kind of sad it's kind of funny uh and yeah. it's you know it's and it's and it's weird to know there's like so much complicity here you know by everyone involved right this is yeah. this isn't something that you could just blame on the reviewers yeah yeah uh do you ever see parasite uh, i i haven't i i, I yeah. we probably should i we should probably watch more and more of these kinds of like viral <laughs> films and just like yeah. review them but i'm sure it's not any good like what about it no i was gonna say it got it's, it's it was similarly like it's not like a terrible film but i didn't i thought it was really overhyped and i think it got a lot of um Pray simply because Western audiences, or maybe a lot of them, are just encountering um, this Korean auteur for the first time. So when they mm -hmm. see these, this Korean film, if it were made by an American in the same story, it probably would not mm -hmm. get the same treatment. But yeah. there is this sort of like uh, almost condescending praise it gets um, because it is foreign and exotic. Um, yeah, and that won the best picture, not even best international feature. Mm -hmm. First, that one took home the big prize um but uh but yeah or even like uh, i remember reading reviews for the makoto shinkai your name uh mm. film and it was like you know typical anime stuff it was very beautiful the animation was really good but um i remember like a roger ebert article about it 
not not him. He'd been dead already, but one of his reviewers praising it for all its um, all its qualities, which were you know kind of like puerile, um, and you know. Yeah. But if it were an American film, I'm sure they would see there, through it. But there, there's yeah. also this one review that I uh, uh, pulled up. Um, this was somewhere on uh, the Roger uh, Ebert site. Um, what was it? Let me see. So. Yeah, so like so like like what do you think about this? Like they're they were describing some of the symbolism uh here. Bountiful and subtle imagery from cinematographer Hidetoshi Shinomiya. The film mines majestic visual symbolism from seemingly ordinary occurrences. Take, for example, a shot of Yusuke and Misaki's hand through the car's sunroof, holding cigarettes as to not let the smoke permeate their sacred mode of transportation, an unspoken communion of respect right um and this is like a common like motif like they would constantly be like lighting up uh cigarettes right um which uh, in a because like 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 cigarette smoking is uh progressively less and less popular in the west while it's still like pretty popular in in japan and still pretty popular in a relative sense and like korea and stuff like that in china um so like it's like a constant motif they're like constantly lighting up and that's supposed to be receding into their own thoughts right um yeah. and and yeah like I, I like there would be reviewers that would watch this oh look now you know they're they're trying not to like fill up the car uh with smoke yeah it, it, it like it didn't strike me as necessarily symbolic something because like it was just kind of like so obvious it's like yeah yeah if you have a fucking car like why would you want to fill it up with smoke <laughs> you know like it's just well, you're gonna you're gonna be driving, and both of you are gonna be smoking, and you're gonna well, light, light up more cigarettes. Like you're gonna you're gonna die of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, so lost you for a second. Sorry, uh, that's all right. Um, so yeah, like you know, it's it's like it's like, it's like focusing all always yeah. like in the wrong shit. You know, yeah. I think that was right after the monologue with Takatsuki. And mm-hmm. so like, there's, this seems to be this, there's this release and they talk about it and she's like, Oh, you know, there's something there to what he's saying. Like, mm-hmm. like he's really genuine. And then they have the, they're, they have the cigarettes on the, I mean, I get it. Maybe like, you know, it's a nice framing. It's a nice shot of the two hands together, but it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just more imbuing depth where it's not present. Yeah. Like their, 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 their growth is just, they just sort of like, they talk to each other. And then they reveal things about themselves and she learns more about him and Oto because he listens to recordings of Oto going through the lines of Uncle Vanya. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she likes her voice and she feels that some connection to the play. But like there, there, there is no connection. There is no real sense of their becoming close with each other because mm-hmm. one, the, the Masaki or Masaka character, the driver, she's completely stilted and there's like, there's just no real ounce of human feeling. Mm-hmm. And Kafuku is not much better, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the most emotion we see from him is when he's acting. And we're, if there's supposed to be some kind of like cathartic release for him, right? Because mm-hmm. he's gone through these things and he's learned more about Otto through Takatsuki. Um, and when he... You know, and what, what, what exactly does he learn is the thing, right? <laughs> what, like, what does he learn? He learns the, the the conclusion to that totally idiotic story. Yeah. Right? And, or, he, yeah, or, or and he learns uh, maybe more about her infidelities. Sure, or, or and, he learns to let go and not not to try to not to try to like uncover. What yeah, her don't try to understand. Right? You know, again, like yeah. it's this thing. Like love is supposed to be all revealing, all illuminating, yeah. 
all forgiving. Um, and there's, there's no actual reason for thinking that for assuming that yeah. it's just, it's just there. Right. Um, yeah. uh, and th th that aspect is perhaps, uh, uh, less orientalizing and more, you know, uh, an example of like Occidentalism, right. Yeah. I can, I can imagine this being especially the thing that like tons of like, you know, Western types, uh, view when it comes to love, um, Facebook memes going around, like, you know, like, um, like I, I like one common one, uh, uh, I remember like back when I was like in like early college, like there'd be like, you know, women in their early twenties and they'd be like posting shit, like the, tw your twenties are supposed to be a decade for you to be selfish, do everything, wow. experience everything, travel everywhere, you know, break people's hearts, like shit like that. And then ultimately yeah. you're supposed to be, you know, come back to it and be redeemed by love. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, maybe like transplanting this into the East, right. Uh, uh, it's, it's supposed to give it some kind of a near of depth. Right. But again, it's the, it's yeah. the equivalent, it's, it's the reverse example of an Asian woman with a tattoo that says water in English. Right. It's just yeah. stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, and the checkoff yeah. thing adds nothing. Yeah, you, yeah, um, you were, you were mentioning yeah. earlier that basically, like the focus on Chekhov is specifically the more like melodramatic yeah. aspects of, yeah. of the play. Um, I, I recently listened to that play uh, in the last few months. I, honestly, I wasn't even that. Uh, it wasn't really uh, that impressive. I've always uh, preferred Chekhov's um, short uh, stories. Short stories, like yeah. yeah, like like one and a half pages of just like yeah. you capture like something really psychologically rich. Like I remember yeah. one story where uh there's a there's a guy that there's a husband and wife and he believes that he uh has won like the lottery um and he starts looking at his wife and uh he says like and she smells like like a kitchen right <laughs> and and like imagining everything that would happen um after uh they you know after they're able to get divorced right and it's just yeah. like a page and a half but it it captures a kind of like marital dynamic like perfectly yeah um whereas there is like a uh, more melodrama in 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 uh Chekhov's plays and you know it's yeah. kind of telling that this is what what is focused upon in the film i will say i i saw you know moss film uh there's a there's a youtube the, channel yeah, the, um, yeah the 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 russian yeah, yeah they have a bunch of russian movies for free on youtube i saw yeah. i watched it was kind of like if Tarkovsky did Chekhov. Mm -hmm. The cinematography was very reminiscent of the Tarkovsky film. And you're right. I think he was probably was a better short story writer. Um, but like that scene, with, like Uncle Vanya is supposed to be this sort of impotent man child mm -hmm. whose big moment, whose great moment is this sort of this, this like tirade against his uh, father or the, the father figure in his life, mm -hmm. which he ultimately can't even grow from because he reverts mm -hmm to his uh, servile state at the very end. But then mm -hmm. in the movie, in Drive My Car, it's sort of played as this release that it is, means something and is to, um, to Kafuku. And so like, again, all the irony that redeems um, the melodramatic aspects in Chekhov's play is not yeah. played into in, in the film. It's taken for granted in Drive My Car. So, I mean, I might be judging the movie for, um, not for what it is, but for what I think it should be. But I don't know. Yeah, but but it, but it's also yeah. what it's trying to be, right? I mean, we could tell yeah, yeah. What, what what it wants, right? It wants to extract the uh, uh, like Chekhovian depth, right? Yeah. Um, 
and uh there and, and there's all there's also this like uh, uh in both movies there's a kind of like Chekhovian sort of a gun aspect where um I forget, I forget exactly what it was in my notes uh maybe it was actually in my kind of raw notes but there's like s- some parts where like you see like you, you see like an element in the film that's supposed to like presage what's going to happen yeah. next but um it's done in a way where like you get the pre- like with Chekhov's gun like it's supposed to be this idea of something of substance is supposed to transpire right yeah um whereas here uh we just get like some other thing transpires and it's always like some other thing some other thing some other thing it's not there, there there's only forced closure there's not anything more than sure. that yeah but anyway that i mean that's all i got to say about uh, yeah. uh these films we could end it here or if you want to say something more we could close Maybe out the one thing i will say i know that there's something i find really annoying about the meta aspect because it is a little meta right because there's a mm-hmm. play within a movie um and then kafuku when he's going through the the lines he would force his actors to remain as unemotional as possible during the reading right and when there is kind of an inflection he'd be like just read the lines as it is and that will tell you more about um the meaning than if you were to emote mm-hmm. and that's that's possibly some meta aspect of these characters being unemotive and yet we're supposed to read emotion into the their mm-hmm. lines but but the, the characters just come across as so st- uh, stilted and, and dull mm-hmm. and wooden that you know there there isn't any payoff but so i just was annoyed by that and there's you know just mm-hmm. this like kind of precious theater talk about how you know about like acting and all that and i, I talk a little bit more about it in the essay uh which you, yeah. people can read if they're curious, but yeah, that's so, all. It's yeah. So this has been artifact number uh, thirty-one, uh, Hamaguchi and Orientalism. Let's call it. Uh, yeah. So you guys should go to automachination.com, Check out Zeke's essays, not only on these two films but other films as well. Um, and. Uh, patreon.com slash automachination if you want to listen to the patron only conversation that Zeke and I are about to have again it's going to be on the arts subjectivity objectivity maybe we're going to touch other things as well um, on the way to, to get that patreon.com slash automachination uh, hit like hit subscribe very helpful if you don't want to help me financially there's definitely other things that you could do the simplest thing is to not only watch this but to actually engage leave a comment tell other people about it tell them you're going to stop being their friends unless they sit through <laughs> artifact uh one through 31 consecutively without getting up to piss without getting up to shit, without getting up to eat without getting up to drink right um and that would be the basis for perhaps more intellectually stimulating friendships in your own life so that is my advice to you thank you guys for watching and patrons we will see you very soon